We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. This morning, that's what I want to talk to you about, that we need to learn to be thanksgivers. You can take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 17, and we'll be in our text in just a moment. I was thinking this morning, I woke up about five o'clock and was thinking about things I was thankful for. I'm really thankful for my wife. She has become my nurse, my caregiver. It's been an amazing thing. I'm very thankful for her. And you know, Mark, I see you back there, Mark Millen. I'm really thankful I'm not an LSU fan this morning. I can't imagine sitting through seven overtimes and then lose. Who can believe that? Very thankful I'm not an LSU fan. There's a lot to be thankful for, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning, all right? From the book of Luke, chapter 17, beginning in verse 11, the scripture says, Now it happened, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, speaking of Jesus. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. They stayed a long ways away because culture demanded that. They had to stay a hundred paces away from anyone who was not infected with leprosy. And if anyone came close, they had to yell out, unclean, unclean, so they too would not be contaminated or catch that disease that was very contagious. Verse 13, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I want you to think about that one statement, that one cry, and what it meant to these individuals and how it transformed the lives of these ten men. If you and I could only learn in difficult times simply to cry out, Jesus, have mercy on me, what an amazing thing could be done in our lives. Because you see, mercy is making sure that we don't get what we deserve. I need some mercy. How about you? I need some mercy. They wanted to not get what they deserved. They cried out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And it was, and so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. That word saw doesn't just mean he looked down and recognized there were no blotches on his skin, that his fingers were whole again. It speaks to a deeper issue. He perceived in his spirit that something miraculous had just occurred, and it came from Jesus Christ. He saw that he was cleansed. He he returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And here's the phrase that's always interesting to me. And he was a Samaritan. We understand that the Jews and the Samaritans were enemies. The Jews thought the Samaritans were dogs. The Samaritans thought the Jews were elitist, religious snobs. Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. But think about the time Jesus crossed cultural boundaries and borders to give life and minister to those that shouldn't have been in his circle of influence. Think about the times that he threw social mores to the wind so that he could bring life and hope to someone in need. He didn't care that he was a Samaritan. Why am I saying this? Because there's a lot of people today who think, I don't fit in. 
I don't measure up. I don't have what it takes to please God. I've come to tell you, it doesn't matter your language, the color of your skin, the ethnicity. It doesn't matter the country you're from. All that matters is that you can say, Jesus, have mercy on me. And if you'll make that cry your cry, he will hear you and come to you. So Jesus answered and said, verse 17, where they're not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, a couple of questions from our text. How many were there who cried, have mercy on me? Ten, that's right. There were ten lepers. How many of those ten received healing when they went to show themselves to the priest? All ten of them, that's exactly right. But how many returned to give thanks to the originator, the author, the source of the miracle? Only one. Only one. You know what that tells me? It tells me that thanksgiving really isn't a normal human trait. It isn't something we're born with. It's not in our DNA. It's not natural for you and I to give thanks. It's a learned behavior. And it's something we need to practice day in and day out. I was thinking earlier this morning about the text and then about the New Testament in general and Paul in specific. He wrote it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Paul said there are no boundaries, there are no off limits, but in everything give thanks. In everything be a thanksgiver unto the Lord. And I began thinking, well, how could he write this? Do you understand that he was beaten, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was imprisoned, finally his head was taken off. But he writes these words, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. How could he do that? Well, it's because he also knew that Romans chapter 8 verse 28 was true. For all things work together for good to those who know the Lord. Those who are called according to his purposes. Everything works out for good. He also knew Philippians chapter 4 verse 11. By the way, he wrote all these scriptures too. When in Philippians 4.11 he said, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. He said, I know how, how to have a lot, and I know how to have very little. And I've learned to be content in that place. And I believe he also knew that Philippians 1.6 says, He who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. I could spend all morning just talking about the times that Paul instructed his listeners, his readers, to give thanks unto God. He was teaching them a behavior that was not normal to humanity. He was helping them understand when we begin to give thanks to God, something happens in here. Something happens in here. The Bible over 144 times mentions giving thanks. Someone once said that gratitude is the source for all their Christian virtues. Well, on the opposite side of that, ingratitude may be the source of all or at least many of our faults as well. Listen to me, write it down. When we begin to take for granted what God has done for us, then we become calloused, filled with pride, and then God can no longer use us. 
But as long as we remain humble, acknowledging every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, from the Lord of glory. As long as we remember in everything, give thanks. God does great things in and through our lives. So this morning, I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about why you can give thanks. What are some of the reasons you can give thanks? Now, I don't want you to shout them out, but I want you to write them down. Everybody has a bulletin with lots of clear space, so you can write some things down. I'm going to tell you about some of the reasons I'm thankful to give thanks. Let's count our blessings for just a moment. And we live in Florida, so maybe we should count them twice, right? Amen. Wow, that didn't go over like I thought it would, did it? Some of you all need to loosen up, lighten up. The election's over, we're moving on, amen? But there is a history, you know what I'm saying. So maybe we better count them twice. I'm thankful I was born in the United States. I had nothing to do with it. It was God-ordained. Because we know freedoms and liberties the majority of the world have never and will never experience. I'm thankful that God in His wisdom had me be born to a poor farmer in western Oklahoma and his wife. And we had to struggle to make sure there was food on the table because it taught me a work ethic that has endured through the rest of my life. I'm thankful for my wonderful wife who cared for me. Most of you probably aren't aware of this, but Yvonne has an aversion to needles. And when I left the hospital the first time back in October, she found out she had to give me a shot every day, as well as hook me up to this pick line that's in my arm and give me IV antibiotics. And when she held that needle in her hand for the first time, I'm telling you, she was white as a sheet. She was trembling, and I'm thinking, she's going to go down, and I have to do this myself. <laughs> but then she pulled something up from deep down inside, didn't even bother to stick me then. It's almost like she looked forward to it from that point on, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm thankful for a wife who loves me and cares for me. And if you have a spouse who loves you and cares for you, you should be thankful. You should be thankful. Living in Florida, I'm thankful that we have a home that has air conditioning. Amen? I can't imagine living down here in the summertime 45, 50 years ago and surviving the heat and the humidity. I'm thankful for you, for your love and your faithfulness. I'm thankful that we have a family. Right here. Our family is back in Oklahoma, Texas. We don't get to see them but a few times a year. But every time I walk through that door, I see my family. see my brothers. see my sisters. I see those that I love and care about and that love and care about me. Listen, if you're a guest here this morning, can I encourage you to become a part of our family? Because we are family. We care for each other. We help each other. We pray for one another. We love on each other. We celebrate when there's something to celebrate. And we cry and we mourn together when there's something to mourn. That's what family does. So thank you for being my family. Thank you so much. I'm thankful for you. But most of all, I'm thankful for the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Who loved me when I was unlovable. Who showed me mercy when I deserved punishment. 
who are faithful when I am faithless, whose love is unconditional regardless of my conditions. I'm thankful for a father and his son and the Holy Spirit who never leaves me and never forsakes me. Who sticks closer than a brother. Who has a plan for my life regardless the number of times I deviate from that plan. He's always there to put me back on track. I know that doesn't apply to you perfect people so you can let that one go over your head, all right? But most of us have walked off course a time or two, and he's always there to bring us back. I'm thankful that nothing ever surprises my father. Nothing ever shocks him. Nothing ever makes him say, I'm done with you. He doesn't do that. Even when I don't say, thank you, father. This is the amazing part of God. Even when I don't say thank you. He continues to bless me. He continues to be faithful to me. He continues to show me his love, his mercy, and his grace. That's something to be thankful for. Thankful that he keeps watch over me. I'm thankful for all the things he has kept me from. As well as the things he has led me to. I'm thankful for his presence and his faithfulness in my life. You see, I went through that exercise with you this morning because we have to learn to be grateful. We have to learn to practice thanksgiving. Thanksgiving isn't about food and family and football. It's about recognizing the presence and the provision of our Heavenly Father and how good and merciful he is to you and me. It's about acknowledging them that he is ever faithful and that he never fails. We have to learn to be thanksgivers. It's kind of like uh, the lady, a mom, and the little girl I saw in the grocery store a few months back. You know, there was one of these individuals, this lady's demonstrating food the way they do in the grocery store, you know. Give you a small piece, hoping you buy it and take it home and cook it. Well, this gal was demonstrating cheesecake. And by the way, I don't know why cheese and cake go together. That makes no sense to me. So I don't eat it, all right? I just, I can't get it in my brain, so no thanks. It may be delicious, but you can have my share. She was demonstrating cheesecake, and the little girl just ran up and grabbed one off the tray and stuck it in her mouth and started eating it. The mom was embarrassed. She had been so presumptuous. And I heard the mom begin to talk to her and say, honey... You need to not do that. What do you tell this nice lady? And as she swallowed that first bite down, the little girl looked at the lady and said, Can I have another, please? (laughs) Mama wanted to tell her to say thanks. But she said, I want some more of what that was. How often is that the way we are? We absorb the blessings of God, and then we forget to thank Him, just saying, Come on, I need some more of that right now, please. We need to learn to be thanks givers. Thanksgivers. Only one of those lepers came back to give thanks to Jesus. Why in the world did he come back? And what happened as a result of his turning back and with a loud voice giving thanks to God? I'm going to tell you what happens when we begin to practice thanksgiving. When we begin to be grateful for all that God and others have done for us. The first thing that occurs is we begin to know and experience God at a deeper level. 
We begin to see him as we've never seen him before. We begin to experience the nature of God as he opens himself to us as we begin to give him thanksgiving. Psalm 106.1 says, he is good. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His mercy endures forever. We have a God that's worthy of thanksgiving. I'm here to tell you this morning, I don't serve a God that's buried in Mecca. I don't serve a God that's some fat stone uh, God in the east. I don't serve a God that has never opened his eyes because he's made of wood or stone. I serve the living God, and he's worthy of thanksgiving. He's faithful, he's righteous, he's just, he's dependable, and he's worthy of thanksgiving. So when we begin to practice thanksgiving, we begin to experience who God is and all that he has for us. And when we begin to practice thanksgiving, Psalm 50, 23 tells me, whoever offers praise glorifies, who offers praise glorifies me to him who orders his conduct aright. I will show the salvation of God. Anytime we practice thanksgiving, it promotes honor unto God. And God begins to promote us. Luke 17, 15, look at the text. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. He came back, fell at Jesus' feet, began to praise God for what he had done. And as a result, he was honored in return because he received a deeper experience than ever thought possible with the Lord Jesus Christ. The result of thanksgiving is a greater revelation of who God is and all of his benefits for you and me. So many people today are saying, I want to get deeper in God. I want to know more about God. I want to experience the deep things. Let me tell you, stop looking for the deep things and start looking at the one who's already created everything you need. Give him him thanks and praise and glory and honor and you will see those deep things open before you. You will see him pouring out his spirit, his presence, his power, his life, his love into your heart. The result of thanksgiving is a greater revelation of God, a greater understanding of who he is, a greater appreciation for all that he's done for me and all that he's going to do for me. How many have ever heard someone say, well, if God never did another thing for me, that would be enough. Maybe you've said that. Many of us have used that expression. Well, I've got news for you. God doesn't think that way. God is always looking for how he can bless you, pour his spirit out upon you, fulfill you, touch you, strengthen you, take you to another level. Oh, come on. Stop saying I've got enough and begin giving him praise and thanksgiving and let him give you some more. That's what happens. You go to a greater revelation of God and his benefits when you understand all that he's done for you. It also promotes humility. Verse 16 in our text says that he fell at the feet of Jesus. Humility leads to more grace being given to you and me. What does James chapter 4 verse 6 say? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So when we humble ourselves before him in an attitude of thanksgiving, it opens the door to pour more grace out upon you and me. Now, I don't know about you, but I learned a long time ago, it's either my effort or his grace. They don't work together. They are not codependent. It's one or the other. 
And I'm much more interested in more grace than more effort. I'm much more interested in more grace than more works. Much more interested in more grace than more study. Oh, come on, somebody hear me this morning. God pours grace out on the humble. And we all need the grace of God. The Maasai tribe of Eastern Africa, they have a custom that would be very, very foreign to you and I. But when they want to show their thanks to someone, they run up to them, and I wish I could get up and walk and do this, but I'm not going to. They would run up to that person they want to give thanks to, and they would put their head in the dirt at their feet. And that symbolizes their humility and their great thanksgiving to that person that has done something for them. It enables them to express their humility in a very real way. What else does it do? Well, look at verse 19 of the text. Jesus says, arise to this man. He's came back with a loud voice. He glorified God. He fell at Jesus' feet. And now Jesus said, it's time to get up. But it's not time to get up and go back to life as usual. That word arise almost implies it's time to take up some new life, do some things differently. Oh, come on, folks, hear me. When you begin to understand and I begin to understand thanksgiving, then God calls us to a higher plane and a higher place. The more knowledge, the more revelation we have of him, the greater responsibility he places in our lives. This guy had been a leper. We don't know for how long. It may have been a few years. It may have been his entire life. We don't know. But what we do know is when Jesus received his thanksgiving, he said, arise, arise. You're not going to be a leper anymore. You don't have to live outside the city any longer. You don't have to have your body draped and clothed all the time. You don't have to yell unclean, unclean. Oh, it's time for somebody in this room to arise. You've allowed your circumstances. You've allowed your pity parties. You've allowed somebody's opinion. You've allowed what happened to you when you were a child to hold you back from being who God wants you to be. All you have to do this morning is fall at his feet. Give him glory. Give him thanksgiving. And he's going to say, arise. 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 Get that in your spirit. I wish I could demonstrate it to you in a greater way. That when we fall before him and begin to give him thanks, he says, arise. You know what he said in that one statement? That one word. In that one word, he said, not only is your leprosy gone, so is your past. That is your hopelessness gone. Now you have hope. Not only is your isolation gone, but now you can have friendship and companionship. Arise. Go to a life you haven't known, maybe ever, for sure, not for years. Arise, he said. Promotes hope in our hearts. The other nine of those guys, Tom, will you come back? The other nine of those guys were physically healed as well. It says, when they went to show themselves to the priest, they were all healed. They were cleansed. didn't say only one of them was. It says they were speaking inclusively of all ten. 
It's in verse 14. They were all cleansed. They were all healed. But only one of them came back, fell at Jesus' feet, gave him thanksgiving, and then heard him say, Arise, arise. And look at that verse 19. Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I want you to notice something here. The other nine received the same miracle. So it wasn't faith that activated the miracle in these ten guys. Understand that. Because Jesus did it out of grace and mercy to these ten lepers. And he did it for all ten of the lepers. But he said to the one that came back, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Now hear me. There's a big difference in being healed and in being whole. There's a lot of folks coming to Jesus looking for the miracle, looking for the bread and the fishes. It's time we came to Jesus saying, look at my broken mess. Look at my messed up self. I'm not whole. I'm shattered. I'm in pieces. Will you please make me whole? Your faith has made you whole. He said something's happened on the inside because of the outside. And from this day forward, your life will never be the same. Oh, come on, folks. Get it in your spirit. Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. So when Jesus said, your faith has made you whole, what's he saying? He's saying from this day forward, your life will never be the same. You've experienced something that is a dynamic that will completely and totally change you. I would love to be healed, but I'm more interested in being whole. I'm more interested in touching my mind, cleansing and renewing my spirit. Speaking into my soul, feeding me with the bread of life. Oh, come on, folks. We need to understand so often we just seek the miracle and we miss what the master really wants to do, which is make us whole. Make us whole. All the benefits of a thankful life can be summed up by saying this. A person who's always giving thanks to the living God is a person who ushers in the presence of God into their life. Psalm 100 says it this way in verses 4 and 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. Oh, say that with me. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. When should we be thanksgivers? All the time. When should we be thanksgivers? In every circumstance. And when we're thanksgivers, what happens? We usher in. We invite the presence of the living God to make us whole. Now the opposite of thankfulness is grumbling, criticism, judgmental attitudes. And the opposite of thankfulness leads to dishonor, to criticism, to pride, to dissatisfaction, to hopelessness. Now I ask you, which do you want in your life? You have a choice. All of us have a choice. 
Listen, as long as you're walking in shoe leather and breathing the earth atmosphere, you will have trials. You will have challenges. You will have problems. As long as you're in this life and in this body, you will have opposition. But the good news is, as long as you are connected to the king, you are more than conquerors through anything that comes against you. You can overcome. You're victorious. And you can give him praise and honor and glory. Give thanks. Give thanks. Be thanks givers. Because when we're thanksgivers, we have a greater revelation of who Jesus is. When we're thanksgivers, we hear him say, arise. And when we're thanksgivers, we hear him and we see him make us whole. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.